We come now to our sermon text, which will be from Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to 11. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So far, the reading of God's word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this Lord's Day where we can come together as your people and that you meet us and teach us through your word, that you bless us and that you encourage us. And we ask now that you give us attentive hearts to um, listen and, and see the wondrous works um, of your Son, Jesus Christ, and how we are to please you and enjoy you forever. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. We come tonight to the fourth commandment, and we will consider the Sabbath day. And I don't think it's uh, exaggeration if I say that Many today, myself included, often fail to understand the importance of the Sabbath day, the importance of the, of the Lord's day. Um, often we think, um, or many think it is optional, or it is only part of the day that we need to devote to our Lord. Um, as one, uh, a student once wrote an art- article that made it to the newspaper. The title was, I believe in all nine of the Ten Commandments. And that is often how Christians, the attitude of Christians is towards that Lord's Day. And I have to, I don't have a list of today of things that you can do and you, that you cannot do. I, I decided not to go into the details of that Sabbath day. And I I believe uh, that if we grasp the underlying principle of that concept of the Sabbath, we we will understand better the details and how to to approach this day. And as we looked at the first commandment, and it was about the object of our worship, about God, and, and the second was about the manner of our worship, that it is... Uh, according to God's word and not our imagination. The third, we said, is is more about the spirit of our worship, that everything that we do should glorify his name, and we should not abuse his name. And the fourth commandment, if we want to put it in a category like this, is, is about the practical realization and enjoyment of our worship. It is the practical realization and enjoyment of that Sabbath day, uh, of worship on that Sabbath day. And, and as redeemed people, as we already um, in, the, in the first sermon 
uh, talked about it. It is something that is recreated and demonstrated in our lives as God's children, as redeemed children, not something that we do to, to earn God's favor. But let's dive in and, and think about the Sabbath day. And, and first I want to point out that the Sabbath day speaks to us of God making time for man. God makes time for man. And again, it is not something that we do, not so much something that we, that we earn, but something that we enter into, something that has been specially made for us. If you want to say it like that, some, a special tree that God gives to his people, a special blessing. And, and we see in the New Testament, the Pharisees, they, they got it all wrong. They, they put one requirement after another on it. They, they stacked all the um, rules, um, extra rules on it, and, and they made a burden out of it rather than a blessing. And Jesus made it clear when he confronted them and said, the Sabbath is made for man. It is a blessing. It always was a blessing, it's supposed to be a blessing. And, and we have to see and ha- have to see and has, it has to undergird our, undergird our understanding of the Sabbath. Sabbath is first. It is first and foremost God's Sabbath that He gives to us, and and that commandment, the fourth commandment, it it echoes, it recalls the words of creation, the acts of creation. In Genesis chapter two, verses two and three, we read that God He rested, and He made it holy, and He blessed it. It was as if for six days He. He was totally absorbed in this tremendous activity. The the spirit of God brooded on the face of the waters. Darkness became light. Formlessness became form. And emptiness was filled. Then on the sixth day, to crown his triumph over the formlessness of matter, he took the very formless dust and out of it he formed the man and into the man he breathed, breathed his his own spirit. He, he breathed into it life. Man created as the crown and apex of his creation. The glory of God made in his own image. And then he stands back. He stood apart as it were. And, and from all he had created. And he looks at it and it is, it is good. It is very good. Man is very good. His six-day creativity was finished, but his eternal purpose for what he had created was not finished. It was not complete with the completion of creation. You see, he had something more to do, something more to give, something even more breathtaking. He, He showered his glory in a special way on man as the crown of his creation and as a reflection of his own image. But now he, he wants to enjoy man. Now he, he wants to give himself to man. Now he wants to enter into an intimate fellowship and communion with man. He wants to enjoy man and he wants that man should enjoy him forever. 
In order to do that, he stopped in that activity of creating. Not to subside in inactivity, not to withdraw in any kind of idleness, but rather to, to give himself to that supreme, all-consuming activity of fellowship, of giving to man what he could, could no other way of giving his own self. Thinking about that um, made me think of, of one commercial that we had back in uh, where I'm from in, in Germany. It was basically a, a Home Depot commercial, and there's a man that, that finished building a deck in his backyard. And, and he, he gets down and he, he feels the deck and he gives a kiss. Um, he puts his lips on the deck and, and kisses the deck. I know, man, right? But the, the caption of that commercial said, nobody feels it as he does. There's, there's something when you accomplish something with your hands and you step back and you, you, you watch it and you're proud and now you can enjoy the work of your hands. And if you ever build something with your hands or even cooked a, a wonderful meal, you, you know that feeling. Well, God created the world in a wonderful fashion. He created this, this world and there was a purpose for which he created it. There was a purpose for which he created man, namely to enjoy him, to glorify him and enjoy him forever. And that is why on the seventh day, he entered into that rest and he offered that very rest to his people, to man. Like a man that, that builds a house and he, he plans ahead and he, he spends all his time to make, to make it wonderful. And then he invites his people, like that, that man that built this deck, now he can enjoy the, uh, sitting on that deck drinking a cool beverage, inviting his friends, feeling the sun on his, on his face. There's a purpose for creation. There, there, was a pur there is still a purpose for why God created man. And if we really believe that this is what the Sabbath of God was supposed to be, we would look forward to this day. The Sabbath is God making Time for man, and so because it is God making time for man, man, and that is our second point, takes time for God. That is the only proper reaction. The Sabbath speaks of man taking time for God. Now, just as God's Sabbath is in a sense eternal and speaks of activity in eternally giving himself his peace and his rest so that we might enjoy him, so our celebration of weekly Sabbath speaks not of inactivity, not of a mere stopping of our daily work, but of a positive giving ourselves in return to him, to delight and, and fellowship with him and his works. As one preacher said, there is a sense in which you should never think of a day off, but rather a day where you are on, in the truest sense of the word, when you can enter into the very purpose, purpose God, for which God created you in the beginning, when our Sabbath, our standing aside from, from this created world joins in 
with, with his Sabbath. When we cease our sixth day of intense involvement with the created world to the Sabbath of communion with God. This is our highest destiny. This is why, why, why we have this very day, because we are bound up in time. There's the, the Creator practically reminds us and built this day into our rhythm of life, a day for mutual enjoyment, where our worship brings joy not only to the heart of our Creator, but blessing to us. And that's why we come together on the Sabbath and sing praises. That is why we hear God's word and, and how, how God directs our hearts, gives us spiritual food and, and, and guide, guide us that he might commune with us. And, and by worshiping in him in the, in the word through the spirit, we enter into that deep appreciation of communion and fellowship with him. We enjoy Sabbath rest together. And you see, God gave us a Sabbath that we should seize from our daily preoccupation with making a living so that we have a, a full day to think about the meaning of living, to get it all in perspective, to, to lift our eyes of creation and to look to the creator itself so that we might worship and serve him. That, that, that is so vital, especially in our days, isn't it? Because the world has turned this principle upside down, as, as Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 1. That they have exchanged the truth for a lie. And pe perhaps it's nowhere that obvious as in this country where malls are filled on Sundays. Movies are packed and, and the created beings, the man is, is, is worshiping creation rather than the creator. But when we come together on the Sabbath day, there's an evangelistic aspect to it. We say this is what we are made for. And if somebody asks us, why do you go to worship on Sunday? Then this is what you ought to say. That is our very purpose. That is our highest destiny. And, and, and this is where we find enjoyment, enjoyment and, and satisfaction. We find in God what we cannot find in anything else. And in a sense, it is working like a sacrament. It is this outward, visible sign of inward, invisible spiritual grace. The grace that is imparted to us as we participate in God's Sabbath. It's the day in which we are reminded why we are created. That we might enjoy him and worship him. And it's only if we enter into that reality that we enter into God's rest that we have a taste of it and that peace of God will fill our souls. And in, in Isaiah chapter 51 verse 13, God underlines exactly that principle, the promises that he gave us. And he says there, if you turn back your foot, foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, 
If you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. You see, Jesus, uh, God, he wants to fellowship with us on this day. He wants to, to cause us to rise and to run on the heights of the land, to enter into the fullness of, of the majestic and rich and wonderful inheritance that he has laid out for us. And he longs to do, he longs to do so. And, and so you see, if we go our own way, if we do as we please, and we are preoccupied with the gifts and, and activities of this created world, and to hold ourselves with self-interest and, and self-absorbed distance from the one who made us and longs to fellowship with us, we, we grieve how this must grieve his heart. If you, and it reveals what is in our hearts towards him. If you have been married for a while and you have children, then I'm sure you heard these words from, from your spouse that you don't spend enough time with me. You don't spend enough time with your children. And even if you are there, you're not really present. I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one who, who hears that from time to time. Because we are so busy with all that um, preoccupation of this world. Can you imagine a father who, who devotes one whole day for his children and his wife? And he comes uh, and he begins the day and he wants to play. And he wants to have fellowship and, and a good time together. And, and the children have no time whatsoever. They are all absorbed with their own interests and their own activities. How much that must grieve and hurt the father. But, but here God gives us a day where we can and where we ought to rest from all activity. And we don't have to feel guilty. We don't need to think about the daily work. And it comes week by week so that it brings delight to the heart of God and, and to our hearts. And it reminds us again of who we are and why we are here. And it comes to remind us and to make us realize that what we do on these six days is not the end of all our lives. To remind us that to see that the true value is not to be found in our work itself, in our worthy ambitions, but to restore our perspective, to give us the right viewpoint of eternity, to teach us that we do not live by bread alone. And we need to be reminded of, of this every week. It's because as, as soon as we step out, uh, step our foot outside this door and, and went, go back to the normal activities of the daily, um, of the weekly, the daily, daily week and, and the, the occupations of, of what we do every day. The world, it, it, it screams to us that this is what life is about. And again, 
we know that man does not live by bread alone. And, and it takes faith. It takes faith to come on Sundays and worship God and enjoy it. To know that we gain more by devoting this day to the Lord than we might lose out or miss out our personal ambitions or personal occupations. We discover that our Lord is able to supply our, all our need according to the riches of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and again, all this flies into the face of the world. We testify and we proclaim that life is more than money and amusement or entertainment. And, and that happens also when we teach our children every week. As we, as we worship God and we gather together and we go home and we, we spend time in prayer and devotion and, and singing of hymns and, and psalms and, and we visit shut-ins and we invite friends to, to speak about God and, and His kingdom. That teaches our children what it means to follow God, what it means to, to be a Christian and what life is really about. And we do it in a very practical way. It doesn't get more practical than that. And so we, we look back, and, and that commandment reminds us of creation. And that God, after completion of creation, made Sabbath for man. But we also look up and respond to God's eternal giving of himself to us. We see that the Sabbath speaks of man taking time for God, but there's a, there's a third direction, and that direction is forward. For the Sabbath speaks of time, of the time when, when man will leave time for eternity. In chapter 4 of Hebrews, the writer touches on, on various figures and shadows of that ultimate Sabbath rest. The peace of God and, and union and communion with him. And in, in verse 3 of chapter 4, he looks back to what we did, the manifestation of that rest. When God rested from his work of creation and, and to enter into the enjoyment of his finished work. A rest that God longed to share with Adam and Eve when he walked with him in the garden in the cool of the day. And he, he longed that Adam might enter into that rest. And yet it was a rest from which Adam had to be shut out. It was a peace of God that he had to forfeit because of his sin. He was never able to, to stretch out his arm and, and to take off the tree of life and enter into that eternal Sabbath rest. He failed his probation period. And the writer of Hebrews, he goes on in verse 18, he speaks of the rest of God, the rest that he promised to the children of Israel who left Egypt for the promised land. And that's another shadow that he's weaving into that concept of Sabbath rest. And, and he tells us how God took them out of bondage, out of slavery and unrest in Egypt. And he led them into the promised land, but they had to be shut out of that rest again. They never entered, this generation never entered that promised land where God wanted to dwell with them, with his people and, and, and to be their God. Why? 
because they did not listen. They were disobedient. They, they lacked faith and they, they sinned and they, their hearts were hardened. And they were shut out from the very rest that God again longed to enjoy with his people. And then the Hebrew writer speaks of another rest. He speaks of a Sabbath rest that God has for those who believe. Those who enter that rest by faith. The Sabbath rest which he offered to us in, in the coming of Christ and in his gospel. In verse 8 and 9 and to 10 he says, For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains the Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. You see, what Adam was not able to merit was what Israel was not able to merit. God, through Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ merited for us. The first Adam never earned this eternal Sabbath rest. The rest that God held out for him. He failed. And he was not able to enter. Into that perfect rest. But Christ. He did. He, he passed the probation period. He, he overcame every temptation. And he finally ultimately entered into that very rest. And you see, the, the beauty of God's plan is that we can now, as his uh, children, as believer in Jesus Christ, enter and follow Jesus Christ, what, what he has earned for us. Through faith, we are already partakers of this Sabbath rest. Every Sunday when we hear God's call to worship, when we praise, uh, praise him with our hymns and psalms, when we hear his word being preached to us, it is a foretaste of that Sabbath rest. And so when Christ appeared to his people, to his disciples, on the first day of the week, they recognized it as his day. They recognized it as the Lord's day. And, and as we gather on the first day of the week, we recognize this day as the Lord's day. The Sabbath rest that he earned on our behalf. And, and we proclaim that we have rest and peace with God in Christ. And that is why we begin this week in our rest. We not longer strive for long or, or want to earn it, but we have, we are partaker of it through faith in Jesus Christ. And just as the Lord's Supper that we celebrated this morning points us forward to the great wedding feast so the Lord's day, which comes week by week, points us to the day of the Lord when he will come and, and lift us up to heavenly realms where we will be with him forever and ever into the full dimension of God's eternal Sabbath. And it's every Sunday that we have a foretaste of that eternal Sabbath. The day that we await where we will be made perfect in holiness, fully enjoying God's presence and worshiping Him forever. And, and I'm sure that sometimes that you sit in the morning of, of the Lord's Day and you hear God's Word and He 
speaks to you through the Holy Spirit and he touches your heart and, and you sing praises and hymns and, and you can feel a taste of heaven. You know a little bit of what it's going to be like. So God, he makes time for us every Sunday and we come and we take time for him and we have a foretaste of what it is going to be like to be with him forever. And so let's not forsake this wonderful Sabbath, this day of the Lord where, we'll come, where we can come together and take rest, where we can forget the daily work, occupation, and all the things that occupy our, our minds, and to, to focus on Christ and what he has earned for us and be worshiping him and glorifying him and enjoying him forever. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you remind us every Sunday of what you have done in Jesus Christ. We thank you that what we, have, what we could never accomplish, he accomplished. And that you have that redemption accomplished applied to us through your Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you that we can come together and have a foretaste of this eternal Sabbath rest. Help us to leave all the occupations of our mind and on all the things that are occupying our minds behind and spend time with you in your word and, and praise you and pray to you and, and just enjoy this time of fellowship. Time of fellowship and communion and union that we can have through the work of Jesus Christ. Let us grow in our faith. Let us grow closer to you. Keep sin far away from us and, and let us grow in our holiness and let us glorify you every day of our lives and enjoy you forever. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.